0: In all my 20 years of working with fashion brands, creative agencies, retail stores, and working on some of the most prominent collaborations of all time, you know what the most stressful thing I've ever done is? Trying to start a podcast. No, seriously, trying to get a podcast off the ground is like advanced mathematics. It's a tangled web of codes, confusing links, and algorithms. That is until the day I discovered Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. A, it is free. B, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your smartphone or computer. C, Anchor will take care of distributing your podcast for you so you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else people listen to shows. And last but not least, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Thank you, Anchor. No, really. Thank you. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. And then I just have some notes that I want to say. Sorry, I'm kind of new at this. So if you can silence your phone, that'd be great. Okay. Let's see. Check levels. Clock is ticking. So, you ready? From Hypebeast Radio, I'm Jeff Staple, and this is The Business of Hype. A show about creative entrepreneurs, brand builders, innovators, and the realities behind the dreams they've built. From 1997 to 2017, that's two decades, there has been one shopkeeper whose single door operation has transcended the entire fashion and design world. A nod from her could make your brand a global overnight sensation. My previous guest, Hiroshi Fujiwara, once said, before Colette, was there any reason to really visit Paris? And while the Eiffel Tower might argue that point, the shop at 213 Rue Saint-Honoré was the epicenter of all things design and Sarah Andelman, the co-founder of Colette, along with her mother, was the captain of the ship. Sarah's notoriously shy and rarely does interviews. For the first 10 or so years of Colette's operation, you could never find a photograph of Sarah. Some thought that when you got an email from Sarah at Colette.fr, you were actually getting an email from any number of dozens of representatives acting on behalf of Colette. After all, how could one single brain encompass the curation of couture fashion, streetwear, sneakers, books, technology, fragrances, home decor, art, food, drink, and more. People back in the day thought it wasn't possible. And then you meet Sarah and you soon realize, well damn it, it is possible. You just have to be as driven and focused as this petite, quiet woman standing in front of you. So after 20 years of ruling retail with the world literally in the palm of her hands and the option to do anything she wanted to do, what does she do? She decides to close up shop and start all over again with a brand new career. Some would say this is insanity. Some would cry, what happened? We thought it was all good. Is there a problem? And some would wait and see what Sarah Andelman had up her sleeve next. So on a recent trip to Paris, I had the honor of sitting in her studio to try and find out exactly the reasons why. I wanted to sort of go back a little bit to the beginning since we're sort of at the end at this point. Do you remember the first customer of Colette?
1: Impossible to remember. Really? I have a terrible memory.
0: You don't remember the first transaction? I mean, it must have been like special, right?
1: I think we were just uh, trying to make everything happen, you know, the last minute things to finalize. Yeah. Um, What I did recently is I asked if we could print what we sold on the first day. And this I got the receipt that we sold, some magazines like Self Service, some Fury from Reebok, some G-Shock from Casio, uh-huh. some uh, uh, Blaze accessories. Uh, but uh, no, I don't remember. I hope uh, so, <laughs> uh, we had many customers this first, first day. The first um, day, was
0: there like a line outside? To not at it?
1: all, not at all, not at all. It was uh, a very uh, quiet, soft opening. We did an event. For press and designers, etc., on March 18, and we opened on March 20. And uh, back in there, was lots of press because it was a new, curious thing happening in Paris. It was not at all, it was certainly. uh, busy of people, uh, a little curious, not a crowd like we have uh, nowadays. Uh, Right. uh,
0: Was it the same exact space? Yes. Okay. So you had the three floors. Three
1: floors, the restaurant, water bar at the basement, Mm -hmm. the gallery where it has always been in the mezzanine. And then we had, we did some change along the years. When Mm -hmm. we opened, the beauty was at the ground floor Mm -hmm. uh, with uh, lots of design. Products, a little section of streetwear, and the first floor was already fashion for men and women. And below the gallery space was a little uh, a culture space with books, music, uh, yeah. editions.
0: So you got that report recently. Do you remember the first day's total sales?
1: Ah uh, no, it was in front
0: Okay, wow. Yes. So it's not even yes, euros, uh, that okay. can
1: tell you how old uh, I am. And I think how many it. It was around uh, maybe uh, I could call our account. Uh, uh, maybe uh, I would say something around twenty thousand francs. Uh
0: huh. Which is the equivalent to about what? I mean, it's hard to say because yeah. of inflation and everything. But
1: yeah, it's not much. Maybe I'm wrong. Because it would be around. Uh, I think it would be around four thousand euro. It's, it's oh. very small. <laughs> wow. it's, it's like one small. jacket. <laughs> Yeah, but the price were not what it is now. You yeah. know, a Prada jacket yeah. was much less right. expensive than what it is today. There yeah. was a huge inflation for uh, mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm.
0: And you were mentioning you were selling magazines yeah. and watches like yeah. G-Shock. But yeah. Not high ticket items.
1: Yeah. Beauty, lots of... Kiehl's was a big first time in Paris. So we wow. sold lots of Kiehl's products. Mm-hmm.
0: What were you doing the, um, the day before, like setting up for this?
1: literally the yeah, day before yeah, yeah. Uh, we were in Did the shop <laughs> uh, I don't think much so we had in the gallery the first show we had in the gallery was with Purple Magazine mm. curated by Olivier Zam, with already uh, photographers like Terry Richardson Mark Borswick uh, so wow. I'm sure we've installed this multi-artist show till the last minute mm-hmm. <sighs> Just
0: Going crazy. Uh, the yes, the sure
1: show. We have uh, I don't know the price. Well, uh, yeah, uh, price tags. Uh, you I weren't. You didn't have me. a shop before that, right? No, 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 no. I was just twenty years old. My mum always had shops, but before it was in the wholesale business. Mm-hmm. She was selling to retailers. Okay. And um, with this project, she gave us. A buying part and she was more involved in the management. Yeah. And um, no, I just finished my history of art studies at L'Ecole du Louvre, Mm -hmm. some internship at Purple Magazine and uh, galleries and uh, it was a new, I was very young, very fresh, and I learned everything uh, day by day when after we opened.
0: So your job, your job before then was an intern at Purple Magazine and school. Uh, you school? didn't have a full-time job? No. Okay. Wow, so your only job, your only paying job is Colette. <laughs> That's true. Now we're embarking on your second <laughs> job in your life. Are you That's ready true. for your second job now? Yes,
1: I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> You had good training, <laughs> yes, I think. Yes, yes, yes.
0: It's funny because I didn't know it was March is, is the birthday, same as Staple. So we have the same birth month and birth year, 1997 March, 20 yeah. years. It's a long time. <laughs> um, Okay. So I want to ask you about, um, like, you know, the size of the store and filling with all this stuff, right. Was, you know, you are sort of like the creative artist behind it, but was being profitable, like a concern of yours?
1: Never, <laughs> never, never. It was, we visited, we moved in this building. We yep. live in this building. Yeah. Every day I go to school, my mom go to her, her shop, uh, it was called Polo and we see this empty space mm-hmm. for a few months and one day we asked to visit this empty space and immediately back in the days there was uh, Milan Vukmirovic helped us to con- develop the concept mm-hmm. and we immediately from the first day we visited the space we knew we wanted to bring together everything we like from fashion, art, beauty and we were so lucky that my mom sold her business uh, and we, this neighborhood was very quiet, it was not a trendy, mm-hmm. uh, fancy stuff uh, here, yeah. Uh, voilà. So it was a good um, time to buy this space. The whole, uh,
0: the whole building was No, better. No,
1: no, uh, the building was new. When we moved our apartment, they just renovated, so, but we booked our apartments uh-huh. on, the, uh, on the top of it. On top of it. Oh, okay. Um, and okay. I don't know, maybe, I don't know two years after we booked mm-hmm. our apartment, three years? We booked the space yeah. of Colette. Mm-hmm. And from the day we visit, it was not like, we have a uh, concept for a shop and we will visit many locations yeah. in Paris. It was this premises, this yeah. building. And from day one, it was fashion at the top floor because there was this great light from outside, a little gallery space, the restaurant at the basement, yeah. even if it can be weird to have a restaurant with no daylight, yeah. but it was obvious for us and mm-hmm. this never-changed um,
0: Interesting. So this address is 213, uh, Rue Saint-Honoré, yes. right? So this address really informed the business. It wasn't the other way around, like you said. Because most people say, I want to start a store, and then they look all around for real estate. No.
1: no, no you no, really... created
0: it to fit into this. Exactly. So this kind of answers my next, my future question, which was, why didn't you do
1: more collects?? Uh, like you said, And I didn't really reply your previous question at <laughs> Profit. We didn't, from the day we signed the space to the day we opened, it was nine months, like a baby. Uh-huh. We didn't do any marketing, uh, analyze, any any studies. Will it Accounting be profitable? Or probably, uh, uh, yeah. We just went to the brands we liked, asked, saying, we opened a new shop in Paris. Can we buy your products? And uh, from day one, we had this I did to change the windows, the display every week, like a magazine, like I often said. And we are so much involved in renewing the offer, renewing the display, changing the exhibitions in the gallery that we don't even think to have another uh, shop. uh, Mm -hmm. And we really opened for the 213 Rue Saint-Honoré when we don't see why we would open another shop uh, worldwide.
0: Here's a first clue as to the peculiar nature of Sarah and Colette. Most businesses want to scale. If you've done one thing right, well, do more of it, right? Sarah didn't think of Colette as a world domination plan. She thought of a concept that could be housed inside this particular space. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. I think the world is often fascinated by businesses that don't want it all. For example, why doesn't In-N-Out open in the East Coast? Why isn't North Face Purple label available in the US? And why isn't there a Colette in Topeka, Kansas? The demand is there. Feed it, right? Sarah's just wired differently. It's why her business has stayed the course for 20 years, providing consistent vision, service and product. One time, well over 10 years ago, I was visiting Paris. And of course, going to Colette was one of my first priorities. Unfortunately, I went on a Sunday and I did not know that Colette was closed on Sundays every Sunday. So I peeked inside the windows and what I saw was her team working diligently, changing up the entire store. And in fact, I saw Sarah herself and her mother, Colette, inside to the wee hours, adjusting hangers, steaming clothes, finessing art on the walls. The queen of fashion retail was folding clothes. I was in awe of her diligence and her commitment to the vision. Why, why did you decide to change the shop every week? Cause that's crazy.
1: Yeah, that's crazy, but that was so important to continue to get excited and to continue to have customers coming back and coming back. To have this effect that each time you come, it's different, Mm -hmm. is uh, essential for us.
0: Did you ever regret that decision? Did you ever think maybe I should have done this monthly instead of
1: (laughs) weekly? No, no, no. It's really my uh, no. We never regretted. It was a way to keep also excited. Us, ourselves, our staff, and um, and uh, no, it was always fun to to see the shop with, of course, some products we always we add and some new products every day, and to to see the shop changing a little by little by little. When I see pictures. From, uh, of course, uh, 20 years ago, or even 10 years ago, or even two months ago, I don't recognize the shop because it's uh, like a live uh, animal, living living animal in a way. Right.
0: So did you, you mentioned that you curated for the store, not really thinking about the finance of it. Did you and your mother ever have conversations about like, hey, we need to, make some more money or buy some things that are more popular, something like that. Or she just lets you totally have free will on it.
1: Total freedom. <laughs> and that's crazy when you think about it. Yeah. Uh, but, um, of course, after six months of uh, spring, summer, or all winter, when you have the sale, you can see what we managed to sell well. And, but in a way, I didn't even took care of this because from one season to another, it's completely different. And sometimes yeah. we stopped to sell a very popular product that we had for a few months because they start to be uh, a little everywhere. So Mm -hmm. it was a weird alchemy of uh, always looking for the next product that will uh, Mm -hmm. sell, of course, and that will uh, represent the creativity or new... Some buyers,
0: you know, They they come to a sales meeting, right? And they have all these like Excel spreadsheets and computers, and they have a calculator, and they're sitting there doing this. You never, never,
1: never. never. uh,
0: You just buy what? Just based off of gut,
1: instinct, yes.
0: For twenty years,
1: yes. Yeah, absolutely.
0: My God, that is. For those people, that's like the most frightening thing. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but how about? there is
1: no rules. It's I would be interested to discuss with I don't know how yourself you mm-hmm. do this kind of uh, Excel spreadsheet, but there is no rules.
0: But did you have a number that you knew?
1: What? Really? And the brands would always give me a budget because they will calculate from the season before. (laughs) You know, when you go uh, to a big fashion brand, they know how much they want you to spend. And one season, I will buy 10 times more than their planned budget, so they will be happy. And one season, it will be less. And I have to explain, the collection is not relevant enough. So... (laughs) I will wait for next season to buy more.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was. I wanted to ask you about that. When you see a brand and you start to lose a little bit of energy for it, how do you tell them that?
1: Sorry. Uh, let's uh, see how it goes. And we'll, uh, it was. We are free, and it's also important for the brand to know that maybe they don't take the right direction. But the thing is, for Colette, maybe it's very good for another. Uh, Mm -hmm. retailer so that's true that's uh, right it's just not good for you but
0: it doesn't mean it's not good for the brand or whatever exactly yeah um talk about now you start you were buying all this time but then you started obviously it's very famous now when you start putting your logo and applying collaborations with these brands do you remember the first one
1: actually uh, no you don't remember the first one? With our logo, I know I refused for a long time to just put our logo on mm. a product because I thought it was not uh, enough, the not interesting, the, the two, two, two dots. dots. I was totally against it. And I remember people saying, why can't we have a collect t-shirt? And uh, No, there is no t-shirt. Look at this great bronze. Right. Uh, this is our offer. <laughs> and then we started the t-shirt of the month asking to some brands mm-hmm. one t-shirt for uh, one month. Yeah. But I don't, I'm not even... I'm not sure if I asked to have the name of Colette on it, if it was not just one mm-hmm. exclusive T-shirt for us, or maybe, yes, it would say for Colette, or just it would be blue. Or, right. uh, but no, I can't tell you, uh, because we did many collaborations, mm-hmm. like uh, the clo- uh, Claude Klosky uh, with Adidas, there is nowhere our, our Blue Dots logo. Yeah. And we did many collaborations like this. We introduced Mary to the Mob to, to Reebok, mm-hmm. Was, oh, I didn't I, know that. Yes, when we did, did the lips yeah. freestyle, it was, that was
0: you uh, connecting. Yes, yes. Oh, oh, I didn't know that. Yes, but you didn't put the blue dots on. No, them. you wanted Mary to the mob and Leah to be the artist.
1: Maybe, maybe but Reebok asked me, can we do a Colette freestyle, and I would say no. Uh, Colette is we, we are not a designer ourselves. Mm-hmm. Let's ask this Brown to do it.
0: I see. Okay. So, but there was something happened where you started to put the blue dots on. Yes,
1: but I don't remember when. I remember some collaboration like Timberland. I asked them to have uh, blue stitches. Uh, uh, of course, with Nike, we did the one for women with a lace in a degradé. Mm-hmm. And Sharapova. I think it's if someone would manage not me, to put all our collaboration in a uh, chronological order, we will manage to see. uh, But I think it's very, very slow from, you know, blue stitch, blue dots, or monochrome dots, Uh until we have, uh, and still in the last one, I don't think we had just the logo. Yeah. Right, uh, <laughs> right.
0: I felt the same way though when I had ReadSpace. Like I felt like it didn't need to be a brand. You know, people said like, "Oh, mm. why don't you make ReadSpace mm. T-shirts?" But I felt like, "No, we have so many T-shirts. I don't need to make my own." So I get where you're coming from. But um, then
1: you come with this great visual. <laughs> <yeah. laughs>
0: um, what's the maximum staff that you guys had? Team, the whole team.
1: Well, maybe around one hundred thirty people.
0: Wow. And so that's including the sales floor and. Warehouse, and yes. then of course, e commerce exactly. Well. Wow,
1: that's a maximum, yes. Mm-hmm.
0: And on the back end of the Colette business, did you was it very structured? Like, did you have an HR team? And like, you know, everyone sort of had like a manager and a corporate kind of setting?
1: Not at all. The only uh, let's say it's like a son, and everybody speaks to my mom, oh she my will uh, really. I reply all day long to uh, the warehouse to uh, sell people to the account department all day long. Wow.
0: (laughs) Insane. Um, Did you ever feel like, well, in the beginning, how many staff did you have? Like in the very, very beginning? 50,
1: maybe 50, maybe less than 50.
0: Yeah. So you like doubled in size over that time? I'm I'm sure back then you didn't have online
1: sales, right? No, uh, very early we had to collect .tf, .tf, uh, .fr before we could manage to have a .tf, and when we opened uh, e-commerce it was uh, a very small selection Mm -hmm. of products. Not Mm -hmm. everything in the store. Not yet. Right. nobody I think had this yeah. it was uh, just a small section then of course we expanded with uh, Michael when we did we sold out sold out yeah and then we expanded to all the yeah uh, from the shop it was so important to be able to for to touch any customer in the world mm-hmm. who cannot come to collect in Paris and we wanted the website to represent everything we we have yeah. and it was crazy a lot of work because it would include magazines uh, yeah. Beauty, fashion for men and women and design. there is no website with so, so many categories. Mm-hmm. It was really uh, right,
0: and it's kind of a pain if someone wants in China wants to buy one magazine and you have to figure out how to ship it to them, right?
1: But they do. And even <laughs> yeah. recently, on the last days, some people would order one Saint Laurent sticker or matchboxes <laughs> to ship to uh, one sticker. <laughs> to Super. Uh, that's the way it is now.
0: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Would you say that you're slow or fast to adapt to new technologies? You know, e-com, Twitter, Instagram, like are you like
1: in, right up on? It, in or? between. Uh, in between. Not okay. slow, not fast, I would say at the right rate. I remember when the app started, mm-hmm. I wanted to call app from day one. Yeah. But then I asked teammates, the process, we had maybe ten Version of Colette app, who ne- which never came out. Between the one with the uh, music player, we had so many versions, and we never did a real one until we did one with uh, Jordan, which was a very funny game to undress the mannequin. But it was such I-, I kept saying it. It has to be different from the website. Mm-hmm. It cannot be so expensive to do an app which would be just for fun. Yeah. So.
0: So there's like ten versions of a Colette app that yeah, never sure. have seen the light exactly. of day. Exactly. That you paid for, obviously. No, for. but not
1: even, not even. I received uh, the design, the estimate. Uh, no, 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 no. I didn't go so far. I <sighs> okay. would not waste money like this. That's <laughs> the thing. Uh, I think we have always been very careful how mm-hmm. to spend. Uh, our uh, money. So, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, of course, we had them very early. Um, and yeah. Instagram, there is a, the day before, the day after. It's a huge change, I think, for the communication of the shop because even if we had blogs, mm-hmm. we had different ways to communicate. Nobody realized the activity of the shop, how we had every day something new happening. Yeah. And I think with Instagram, it was a easier way to follow.
0: With many of the people I talk to, Instagram is a real game changer in the way we actually do business. It's strange how Instagram was only invented about 8 years ago, and it didn't really catch fire until 5 years ago. And yet, most of us can barely remember a world without it. How did we tell stories before Instagram? Before social media? If I think back really hard, I remember spending way too much time and money inside of a Kinko's printing postcards and flyers for manual distribution within my very own five mile radius. It's probably not a coincidence that as social media grew, Kinko's would barely survive and would need to merge with FedEx. So here Sarah lovingly recalls how Colette did it back in the day. So you said there was like a before and after with Instagram. Do you remember before social media, how would you promote, like you get a product in, how would you promote this before social media?
1: That's well, funny you say that because I always we had few discussion to try to do something on Colette and from the early years yeah. to, to the last, and I had nothing digital on the first ten years, and I couldn't understand why. I know I changed hard drive and and suddenly when I moved to the office, I found all these Kodak boxes of pictures I would take myself with a analog camera of a new product, of a new exhibition that we would, you know, copy print and yeah. send to press. Right. I can't believe we did that. Yeah. And I, when I see my pictures are yellow, they are blurry. Okay? That's, that's crazy. But that's the way we did. We printed a little um, booklet every season, mm. uh, a little funny with a different... From day one we wanted our identity to change all the time with the season, with the trend, so... One uh, looked like a newspaper, like one, a copy of women's So, one is like a Chinese menu mm-hmm. of restaurants. So, <laughs> it was uh, the logo. Each one. The logo was orange, and every six months we would change the color of the logo. Yeah. It went green, gray, oh, wow. until it stopped and blue. And the only way we communicated we to press was to print this uh-huh. photo and to, to to print this little booklet with a new yeah. designers, with a new exhibition. But it was so school, it's crazy. Yeah. The young kid, when I can't imagine what... Uh, I know. And we had fax.
0: Fax machine? Yes. You would fax these things to people?
1: We would use fax to communicate, to yeah. order to the brands.
0: Right. I mean, isn't it weird how if you go far back enough from digital, it's almost like life didn't exist. <laughs> it's like a different... It's almost like the dinosaur era, of course. you know? Yeah, yeah. It's pretty scary. Do you remember the... You know, I know you're not a numbers person, but do you remember like the highest grossing day of ever in Colette? There is there is an existing day. Do you know what day it is? No, no, I don't know. No. You have no idea.
1: No, the you best. Must,
0: I... Yeah, you must know this was the craziest day though.
1: Like. <sighs> It's difficult to compare the day we sold the first very expensive fur coat from Valentino Fendi with the day we sold the three Bamford watches, with <laughs> the day we sold the, uh, all the Nike. Yeah. It's, it's really uh, uh, impossible to, to, to. It's not uh, impossible. You could call someone yes, and they could yes, tell you. Yes, yes, yes. I could ask but it's not ask it's
0: it. because of one singular item that did it, you think?
1: No, it was always uh, a nice combination of mm-hmm. all the floors. Yeah. No, no. From the restaurant has always been very busy with uh, line in the stairs for people for right. lunch. Uh, to to it has always been a great balance. Yeah. Between. Um,
0: okay, I got to ask you this now. Have you ever had a zero day? No, 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 no. Never. No, no. Well, no. good for you. There's some stores that have zero days. Oh my god. Okay, no zero days for Colette. That's great. Okay, I just have to interrupt here as this is one of my favorite parts of the interview. I asked the hardest working woman in retail if she ever had to unexpectedly close Colette because God knows she would never take a day off. It happened one time. And whose fault was it? I'll give you a hint. Two words. Champagne poppy. Do you remember a day where, because you're you were always closed on Sunday to reset the store, but you were always open Monday, Monday through Saturday. Saturday? Yes. Do you remember some times where, like, you unexpectedly, besides holidays, that like we have to close the store today for some drastic reason or something like that? Like
1: Drake, it happened with Drake. Drake? <laughs> yes. What happened with Drake? It, when you arrived, we had. I had I I didn't realize it was the school holidays, it was suddenly the street was filled, full, full, full of people. Was he
0: coming here for a performance or to shop or...? Uh,
1: For the launch of his Ovo... Jordan or something? No, no, no. His home. Oh, his his own
0: collection. Okay. Which you've had many musicians, you've had many rappers come... It was
1: still early. I don't remember what year it was, Uh but it was early.
0: Yeah. But definitely after BBC and... Yes, and yes, all this stuff. yes, yeah. yes,
1: but when I look, that's funny, when I look the lunch we did for Montclair and Farrell, of course it was packed, but it was not crazy, like it was the day with Drake was crazy. For like sure. you were scared of we it. Crazy. crazy day with Tyler, and, uh, uh, but the day Drake, uh, tot- we were totally unprepared, and a, you can see some funny video online on YouTube where he's at the first floor, and the, the street is. Packed, packed, packed. The police had asked us to close the shop. Wow. Yeah. So that's only in a day I think we had to close uh, during the day. One hour until uh, it became more fluid. And Drake yeah. was in the store? Yeah. He was stuck inside the shop.
0: <laughs> Did it get scary?
1: No, 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 no. Okay. No, no.
0: But the store must have been packed with people too. and the And the block was packed. Yeah. Oh that's a scary situation, <laughs> <laughs> by the way you also live here, so it's like it's your home too, yeah, so it's yeah, like yeah. kind of scary. <laughs> you did do a couple of
1: pop-ups though. Absolutely, we did the first pop-up was with Comme des Garçons in their shop in Tokyo, mm-hmm. Kotodori, Dori, Naoyama. It was Colette meets Comme des Garçons mm-hmm. and a great, great experience for six months. And I would go every month and I would change little things. So with a brand like Comme des Garçons, I have the top, top, top respect. It was the first time I I could see the limits of doing a pop-up shop. It was
0: great because
1: it was a good opportunity to develop tons of collaboration. Mm -hmm. And back in the days, I used these two little dogs, Caperino and Peperon, that could go on a Macintosh coat, on a a Cartier bag, and tons of little uh, goodies. um,
0: but you had to go to Japan I had to go
1: to Japan every month because just to keep we would change the exhibitions we did something with Tobias Wong with Geneviève Gaucle but it was a great experience and maybe five years later we did a pop-up with GAP Mm. in New York Mm -hmm. on Fifth Avenue uh, which was a great experience and it was one month but I regret it was not just one week because again it was sold out in 24, 48 hours, all the best products, and yeah. that to continue. Uh, mm. and
0: and they, how many times did you go for that?
1: Uh, just uh, just, just, for, to just at for the, the first week. opening, yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. yeah some
1: or maybe it was two weeks and it was still too long, I don't remember.
0: You couldn't get more different than Come des Garçons and then the gap. When you did the gap pop up, did you get criticism? from people?
1: No, I don't think so. I don't remember, so no. I don't think so. Oh, no, no, no one no. said
0: like, oh, this is too mass or something?
1: No, we, no, we, I love this project. We developed, I took all the classic from GAP, the jersey, the gray, mm-hmm. the jersey that I asked for a bag with Alexis Mabille or for uh, shoes with Repetto. We mm-hmm. did lots of artists t-shirts where it was uh, a ski. We had a French artist who would do. would a draw, half of a drawing mm-hmm. and an American artist who would continue wow. the drawing. We had a dash note to paint on some gap uh, trench, André, Olympia Le We had a great mix, selection, yeah. a mix of products and uh, no, it was a very good response. Uh,
0: Do you remember yeah. a time where people you got a lot of criticism for a decision you made?
1: Not really. Maybe it's <laughs> yeah. my memory. <laughs> <the> <laughs> you good you forget those things? Yeah. Uh, <laughs>
0: Oh, okay, good. Selective memory.
1: Yes, I suppose.
0: <laughs> one question I often get asked is what was one of the hardest things I had to learn as an entrepreneur? And my answer is always the same learning how to delegate. The only way Staple Pigeon, Staple Design Studio, Read Space, Extra Butter, Skillshare, the talks, these podcasts, and more can happen is because I've learned how to delegate. So here's another quirk about Sarah she doesn't delegate almost to the point where she admits it might be unhealthy. But she also cites that this might be the very reason why Colette meant what it did for the past 20 years. So the lesson learned here, different strokes for different folks. I remember when, the, when you do the buying, right? You, you know, and this goes into the t- fact that you had to go to come des Garçons every month to like really be hands-on. And maybe that's when you realized you can't expand because you have to be there right do you have would you criticize yourself by saying you have problems delegating to people do you have do you have trust issues with people
1: (laughs) no i know this is not very healthy this is not very um uh, but i think that's why we Survived 20 years. Yeah. I think uh, we dedicate ourselves to the shop and yes, we, my mom has been every Sunday cleaning herself the mannequin and I kept telling her, come on, stop, I'm sure someone else can do it. Yeah. And she would say no. And the one few times she would have someone to do it, she would notice it's not the same. Right. And
0: uh, And same for the buying. For yes, you. we
1: did never even experience the buying by someone else because we knew it's too difficult to explain why I want the blue and not the red. It's 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 all yeah. something which is in very subjective, very personal, yeah. and it's too... Uh, yeah, it's, it there's no formula. Something. You yeah. can't teach it yeah. necessarily. Yeah, 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 yeah. Huh. I can see it because I had my assistant who would... Uh, or we received products, uh, like proposals at the office, mm-hmm. and someone would uh, put them for me on the table saying, okay, this is all not for us and I would still look because I, I, it's in my uh, way to be to, to make sure I don't miss something and I can some, find something where where my assistant would expect that I would refuse it for Colette and, uh-huh. and the other way around some people would be sure this is for us and I would say no it's too similar to something we have or the quality is not good so nobody could really uh-huh. understand the way we select right, and right. So, right. and um,
0: And I remember at the height of, you know, business for you even, I remember brands would work with you and they would email you, right, and then they would get a reply from you. But they would think like, I mean, it can't be Sarah actually writing these emails, you know, like when they ask for payment, there'd be an email from Sarah saying, oh, your payment has been wired. But people would assume that like there's a a whole army of people behind you and they're just using your name, but it's actually you.
1: Yes.
0: Scary. Do you remember how many emails a day you would be... I still
1: have right now. I have more than one hundred thousand unread, and uh, I so, feel terrible. And, uh,
0: but now, now you get to do select all delete.
1: No, I am <laughs> not like this. I have to check, and I just reply to a nice desires. Sorry, I'm saying. I hope maybe we will, I will uh, uh, find a way to work. Uh, what's the, uh, to?
0: What's your limit on when you reply? Like, will you reply to an email that's six months old?
1: Yes, uh, even. Uh, Years old. <laughs> I don't know, but yes, I'm. I'm
0: but that's nice because then they're like, oh wow, she actually got to it. She didn't just yeah, blow no, no. me off. Exactly nice. Yeah. If
1: someone here thinks I did never reply to the email, it just she's gonna
0: get to it. Exactly. It's in the hundred thousand. Exactly. I remember when um, you know we used to show at like different trade shows, like Capsule and you know like Agenda and stuff. And I remember when you walk the trade show, you would do it alone for the most part. You, you wouldn't have a whole crew with you. You would do it alone. And the funny thing is, I don't know if you would noticed this, but whenever you walk into a brand, all the other buyers would say like, Sarah walked into that brand, <laughs> that brand must be something now. Like, you were kind of like unwittingly, like, anointing people to be cool. That must be kind of annoying, because you almost need a mask to walk <laughs> into these brands, right? <laughs>
1: well, I didn't notice. Uh, well, I, I would notice you would yeah. walk into a brand. Yeah.
0: You would finish, you would walk out, yeah. and then all these buyers really? would walk into that brand. Yes.
1: Oh no, I did. <laughs> well, I know that at Colette, some other buyers would find some brands to, to, to contact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's uh, good for the brands. Uh, right. Maybe, yeah.
0: But then you have to keep. Exactly, moving but it's on. natural. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But that, I think that was. I was, <laughs> I was like, Sarah could make a living just doing this, just walking into people's brands. <laughs> H- <yeah. laughs> Do you know what a self-fulfilling prophecy is? Self-fulfilling prophecy.
1: True, I mean. So,
0: okay, so I'll tell you what it means. Like, let's say you have a chef who's trying to make food, right? And he's a cook and then he's developing a skill and he's getting better and better and better. And then eventually he wins a Michelin star and a James Beard award. And then it becomes like anything that that chef does is genius. Whether it's actually good or bad, it becomes mm-hmm. a self-fulfilling mm-hmm. prophecy, mm-hmm. right? So you, if to take that analogy mm-hmm. and apply it to what your mm-hmm. business is, mm-hmm. you did buying, did selecting, actually mm-hmm. chose. Mm-hmm. But then eventually, Colette got to a point where anything that mm-hmm. Colette did or mm-hmm. touched mm-hmm. was considered great. Mm-hmm. Do you remember when that switch happened? Or, or is it even cognizant in your head that that happened?
1: It's... Um I, it's it's really um, not something we want to happen. It's not something we always, always, always um, woke up in the morning and uh, looking av- around us like if we, we are just open since one day. You know, it, it was important to always keep a fresh eye, not assume that because we selected it, it will be successful. Not assume anything. So mm-hmm. that's true that at one point, um, maybe some people will consider this because it's at Colette it's good but yeah. we never wanted to be it's 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 just a, a selection it's just what we like but mm-hmm. you have to make your own yeah you wanted to um, keep working oh keep, yes oh yes yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Well,
0: because it could get dangerous if you just start no. thinking you're you're it's an influencer easy. no 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 no, no <laughs> I guess no, no, that's what we're easy. talking about as influence yeah.
1: right no 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 I I I understood at some point, when people ask you, but as I always said, I don't know what the trend of tomorrow. It's, it's, it's um, it's. I see what I see right now, and uh, I can select what I think would be is um, interesting because it's new. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah,
0: you never wanted to become that sort of like prophecy influencer no. type. No, right? no, no, no,
1: no, no, <laughs> no. Maybe I have it in in me somewhere, mm-hmm. but it's not something I wanted to
0: assume yeah. because
1: it's, um, it's too pretentious. <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: It's clear Sarah doesn't work off research. She doesn't go off the math, nor does she rest on the laurels of her very influential reputation. Sarah works off pure gut instinct. She's a rare breed, and in this day and age of analytical data of likes, views, and comments, Sarah is a natural maestro, This of course then led to the massive success at the Colette store where the crowds on any given day literally resembled that of a theme park. I wanted to ask Sarah if she ever thought the brand got too successful.
1: No, it's exciting. No, it really? makes me happy. It's make it's uh, it's the energy we wanted to have at college. Yeah. So, no, no, and I love that it's all kind of people in the shop, from a family to a streetwear guy to a doctor or a lawyer. <laughs> uh, it was this mix, which was always uh, important for us. Yeah. And uh, no, it's we loved this energy.
0: Because so you didn't care that it was growing beyond the original core customer. That was we a, never was had a core
1: customer. We always uh, had to. Don't well, the core. Know. Let's
0: say, let's say the core customer, whether you identified it or not, was probably someone who was into design, into creativity, right? You didn't assume that a doctor would be a Colette customer in the first year.
1: We never saw this way. We always really? thought you thought wanted it, okay. to be everywhere. everybody. And I love someone who compared to the Tintin readers, you know, from seven years old to nineteen years old. Yeah. And from the beginning, we actually saw someone like working at the coffee opposite the street, coming just to buy a little. Uh, Pencil or little gadget mm-hmm. on someone uh, uh, working in the beauty industry to, to, to buy fashion. It it was always uh, never wanted to close to any one kind of customer.
0: Oh, Okay, so when it got crazy and for everyone, you were it, happy. It fit the dream. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so where do we shop in Paris now?
1: <laughs> I think we shop online. <laughs> That's the thing. Was yeah. that
0: was that part of the reason for? Was online part of the reason? No, no, no. The
1: reason really is my mum who wants to take some time Mm -hmm. off and it cannot work without her. Um, It's true that it's also uh, in the fashion industry uh, very frustrating to work with the brands for the deliveries, to to receive them in time before Fashion Week, etc. It's really getting me sick to yeah. to spend so much time working on a bread selection working on windows and then uh, when it's a busy days like now we don't receive they will deliver in two weeks or three weeks and that's something we've had the problem for Frustration, years yeah. and it's really uh, something annoying but uh, online we developed our own e-shop business very well on the last years actually even too much the last months, we were impossible to ship so the orders we received every day, we got wow. really late, and on the last months we've started to receive complaints of clients that we had, and still. Uh now we are dealing with the last. <laughs> um, but um, is the
0: online store still open?
1: No, no, no. But it was open till December twenty you But are still shipping people. No, we okay. shipped everything, <laughs> but now some people received and want to return, or we didn't ship. Voilà. Uh, <laughs> so we are still have some. Uh, some things to take order, care of. Them. Yes, yes. And um, so
0: you should have gotten your order by now. By the time you hear but this podcast. the there is a
1: turning point in retail in general between. Uh, e-commerce between um, the brands opening their own shops. Yeah. or Do they really need us? They say yes, but I don't know. Mm. and um, Did
0: the um, fast fashion have anything to do with it?
1: No, that was something we were part of it. We lo- what do you call fashion? Fast H&M fashion? Yeah. No, 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 no. I thought it was also the CINOA by now which we took. Uh, so no, no. I think there was always customers for uh, everything. For yeah. Everything. But yeah, right. wanted to turn the page when it's still going well.
0: (laughs) Being a sneakerhead myself, I definitely wanted to take this opportunity to ask a quote-unquote buyer about their opinion on sneaker culture right now. And not just any buyer, possibly the greatest buyer of all time. So sneaker brands, listen up. How about the um, the speed of the world? Did that have an effect? That's crazy.
1: It? No, that's true. That's going quicker and quicker. Yeah. And in a way, since we had the shop, the rhythm of the shop was weekly. Mm-hmm. We loved it when they girl like, oh, would have a six capsule, eight capsule, ten capsule. I think it was part of the system. And sneaker in the sneaker world, you know how it is. That yeah. right now you have to launch uh, five. Uh, voilà. Yeah. Um, but when you started. Day.
0: Nike would drop a special shoe maybe six times a year.
1: Yeah, exactly. On now it's
0: literally six times a week almost. Exactly,
1: exactly. Yeah. That's great, that's good, but how <laughs> long will it be like this? How much can people spend every week? So right. there will be, I think, a time with, uh, when I see these young kids who are really into it, they're wow. less than 15, think, yeah. so what will be the next thing they're into in three, four years? They yeah. cannot... Be excited like this, I think, forever, mm-hmm. no? But it's difficult to sell brand. You have to slow down, and they will say, but yes, <laughs> only if there's a brand, slow down, yeah. because you cannot be so either one. Uh-huh. I, have uh, business, so yeah, I have to grow my business. I have to grow my company. Yeah, yeah. I think there is still a lot of possibilities to explore, and I think uh, as long as they can elevate their customers' Give them culture, give them... Mm -hmm. Find a way to make it more interesting than just a new colorway or a new...
0: Do you think they have to hit the reset button eventually on these collaborations and special projects?
1: I think there's still a... There's still
0: room to grow. Yeah. Okay. I wonder about that all the time. I think Uh, about these kids and like, they're buying, you know, like 50 collabs a year, right? On these special projects. How can that grow to be 100 collabs? No, 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 but it
1: can be... (laughs) Other kind of collab, I think, I'm yeah. pretty sure. They, they, they need to have a meaning.
0: Russian, right. sure, a story, yeah. 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 Okay, so tell us what is Just an Idea?
1: Just an Idea is... Uh, this
0: is your next project.
1: This is my new company. Your new
0: job, your second job.
1: Exactly, <laughs> and um, it will be like a, to help a different brands, companies or artists to develop special projects. And it can be very different. Kind of missions. So someone I mean,
0: has like a, a bit of a problem, maybe, and then they need some help fixing the problem.
1: Yes. Okay.
0: Do you already have employees?
1: Yes. Oh really? <laughs> so it's
0: quite far along.
1: No, no. I just start. I just start, okay. and I uh, will. Um, I'm very excited, and you will. It will take a little of time, mm-hmm. and uh, that's the nice thing about it. It's to take time to really develop. Right. To make it interesting in this world going so fast, like yeah. you said. But um,
0: Do you think this is, um, if you could predict, is this the final career for you? Or this is just the next <sighs> chapter?
1: This, I haven't think about it. I think it's uh, my new second life. I think most people have three lives.
0: Mm-hmm. That's I what would they say, say. This is my second one.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: Great. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very much for your time. Thank
1: you, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Merci beaucoup for listening to this episode. You can find out more about the show or listen to past episodes at hypebeast.com slash radio. You can subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. I use Overcast. And you could reach out to me on Twitter at Jeff Staple. Check us out on the web at businessofhype.com. And you can email any questions to us, questions at businessofhype.com. The Business of Hype is directed by Daniel Novetta. It's edited and produced by Bright Young Things. You can check them out at byt.nyc. Engineering was done by Patrick Morris, and this was recorded at Sibling Rivalry Studio in New York City and on location in Paris, France. I'm Jeff Staple, and you've been listening to The Business of Hype on Hypebeast Radio.